Well, the World Health Organization put out some some pretty staggering numbers today. The first two years of the COVID-19 pandemic has killed nearly 15 million people around the world, uh, it estimates. The latest estimate focused on direct and indirect mortality caused by the pandemic. It's nearly triple the official count of 5.4 million deaths in the same period. Um, meantime, there's while cases are falling in most parts of the world, at least according to the official stats, uh, in parts of some places, a new variant is showing up, a new Omicron strain of COVID-19. Uh, cases have tripled in South Africa. They've seen two new strain of cases of this strain in the U.S. Others have appeared in Denmark, Scotland, England. Um, BA4 is making its way to other countries. BA5 is the other new one. It seems to have been slower to leave uh, Southern Africa so far. So Lots about COVID today to talk about, and here to do that is Jason Tetro. He's the host of the Super Awesome Science Show on the Curious Cast Network and author of The Germ Code and The Germ Files. Jason, thanks so much for being here tonight. Hey, no problem. Pleasure to be with you. So what do you make of these numbers? The WHO, uh, certainly at 15 million is a big number, much higher than the official official estimates. Well, the, the big problem is that when you're looking at actual deaths, and if you look at Canada, particularly someplace like British Columbia, they were actually showing that um, the ability to uh, essentially show that a particular death was caused by COVID-19 could take upwards of eight weeks. And that's in a place like Canada to be able to do that. Um, when you start looking all over the world, um, there are a number of deaths that are occurring that probably have some relationship to COVID, but probably don't necessarily get called that. And so you have to perform these estimates. And these are types of mortality estimates that are done, um, basically looking at how each and every country has dealt with the virus. So that, that's really sort of what's happening here. How important is it to know that number? It's important in the way of giving us the, the reason as to why we are so adamant about doing things such as preventing the spread of this virus, protecting those who are most at risk, and most importantly, trying to get as big of a vaccine campaign globally as we possibly can. Because what we do know is that and, and this was very, very relevant in Hong Kong, if you remember just a few weeks ago. If you're vaccinated, there's a very low likelihood of an excess death. But if you're not vaccinated and all of a sudden the protections are lost, like we saw in Hong Kong, the numbers of dead are going to increase dramatically. So by giving us that perspective of how many people have died, it can help us to open our eyes to what we know can work. Speaking of, of, of vaccinations, I understand there are some new variants out there that people are paying attention, scientists are paying attention to, specifically mm -hmm. Omicron variants, I, I gather BA4 and BA5. Uh, what can you tell us about those? So what's going on with any of the Omicron variants is that our vaccines and even prior infections with Omicron are going to give us some partial protection against the actual virus. Now, when the virus gets inside of us, what ends up happening is that it doesn't multiply to look exactly the same as itself over and over and over. In fact, it mutates all the time inside of us. And as those mutations occur, if any one of them happened to be able to avoid the immune system, especially the antibodies, then it can escape, go to another person and actually start spreading that way. Now, we see this all the time 
with viruses like flu, rhinovirus, RSV, and even adenovirus. And this is just a normal fact that we also see this with coronaviruses. In fact, we actually see this more commonly with coronaviruses than any of the other common cold viruses. Where we actually start running into a problem, and this is where some of the studies over the last few days that have come out have said, is that every time we have one of these mutations creating a BA2.112 or BA4 or BA5, you're reducing your ability to stop that virus from infecting you by anywhere from about 8 to 12%. What might the, the arrival of these new variants say about what's happening with Omicron or with COVID-19 more generally? How concerned should we be about, about these variants? If you're not vaccinated, you should be incredibly worried because all the data has shown us that if you have not been vaccinated and you get Omicron, you might as well be getting Delta and the Alpha and the Beta or the original lineage because it is still a SARS virus. So that's the first thing that you have to be concerned about. The second is that if you have protection that comes from a vaccine, then even though it may be the virus may be able to overwhelm your immune response in the initial stages, the antibodies, there's going to be that secondary one. That secondary one is the one that makes us feel chills. That's the second one that gives us the aches and the pains. But that second one also works. And so instead of having something that could potentially cause a hospitalization or a risk to life, you end up with a scratchy throat, some ugly phlegm in the back of your throat, and maybe even your nose, and possibly some aches and pains. So that's one of the reasons why vaccine is so important. Do you have this same ability if you've already had the, vi- the, the virus as an infection? The fact is, is that yes, but you still have a greater chance of a more severe infection if you didn't get the vaccine. Jason, we're, we're a while in now to the lifting of the mandates in this country. I just anecdotally have noticed a lot more people <clears throat> testing positive for COVID. The numbers seem yeah. to be falling, as far as we can tell, the official numbers. Uh, what's your sense of what's going on right now w- with COVID? Because it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone's, uh, essentially the numbers are definitely going up. The problem is the testing has gone down. Now, back in May of 2020, we already knew that the amount of testing that we were doing was about an eight multiple lower than what was happening in the community. And then as we started to lower our ability to do testing, we actually got to about a 10 multiple. So whenever you saw the data that came out on a day-to-day basis, you had to multiply that by 10 to get a feel for where it was in your province. Now we're at a point where I can't even tell you what the multiple is. It could be 25 multiple. So what's happened is that the official testing has reduced to such a low capacity that we have no idea what the actual spread is. And so we have to rely on anecdotal evidence from people essentially saying, oh, I caught the COVID. And while we don't want to do this from a public health perspective, from a government perspective, that's exactly what they want so that we can remain open. Is it, is it a viable place? I mean, I, you just get the impression that no matter what happens, we're not going back to where we were even six months ago. Um, yeah. But 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 in your shoes, is this, is this of concern? Where I mean, it feels like we're essentially letting COVID spread like wildfire. Well, we are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's the problem, is that we yeah. are letting COVID spread like wildfire now because we're not asking people to do the things that we know are going to help us to prevent those that, that virus from spreading. 
And so it's just going to spread like wildfire. And where the big problem lies is that now, rather than hearing about on the front page news or in the first 10 minutes of the newscasts about the people who are immunocompromised who are dying as a result of getting that, we're never going to hear about them anyway, other than the anecdotal evidence. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the, there's too much noise out there uh, that, that's going to drown that out. So we'll never actually know. You know, this was, we talked about this back when we, when this first hit, we talked about the Spanish flu and, and how people stopped paying attention and thought that will never happen again. And here we are. It's essentially <laughs> happening. I mean, I realize that the hospitalization rates are lower and, you know, there's some positive signs out there about mm-hmm. where we're going with this. But at the same time, it really feels like I know a lot of people with COVID all of a sudden. Um, yeah. And, and the problem, of course, is that when you start thinking about it, and this goes back to 542 AD with the Destinianic Plague, okay? Like, this is not something that is new when it comes to human nature. If humans are continually under the threat of a force, they eventually get tired of all the preventative measures and eventually just simply say, well, you know what? <laughs> if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. So be it. And that's unfortunately where we are at the moment for the majority of people. Um, and and I, I hope everyone's going to be okay. But it's come to a point where I still hear very, very sad stories. And now all I can do is shrug. Jason Tetro, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate your insight. It was a pleasure. Take care.